You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to TFM's local watering hole for all things beyond Star Trek. I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and so excited to have... Whoa, 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 hey, hey, no no reason to get angry. Don't, don't make her angry. Christy Morris. Yeah, you better not. I brought my briefcase and I'm about to, you know, really take you downtown. You're just going to litigious my butt? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Lawyered. There you go. Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lawyered. We're going to be talking about She-Hulk, attorney at law, since uh, it just wrapped up here. So our latest uh, Marvel TV show over there on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, of course, you know, uh, follow us everywhere. We would really appreciate it if you would follow us on Twitter at The 602 Club. We're also on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. So follow us on both places. We'd love to interact with you and talk about all the things we're doing here on the show, as well as all the entertainment news that's coming out all the time. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook with the entire network at facebook.com slash trek.fm. We've got the website at trek.fm where you can find all the shows we're doing. We've got a listeners only discussion group you can join on Facebook called the Babel Conference. And you can talk about every single show we do here in the network. Make sure to get the show as soon as it drops. To do that, you want to just hit subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast. Uh, you can also uh, help us out by giving us a star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Any of the podcatchers that allow you to review us really help people find us. Uh, and then last but not least, we would love it if you would go over to patreon.com slash and become part of the team we've got here Help make sure that all of the shows keep coming to you each and every week. There's absolutely no way that we can do this alone, and we're definitely under where we need to be every month to make sure that all of these podcasts do keep coming to you. So again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. Well, Christy, I know that you have been a Marvel fangirl for much of your life and are much more familiar with the comics uh, of Marvel than I am. Because I'm more of a DC guy in general, mm-hmm. and kind of what I grew up with. But I was I'm really interested. Uh, so, was She-Hulk one of the comics uh, in Marvel that you read a lot and you were really familiar with? So that as you were coming into this, you might have been excited. Yeah, I actually, I will say it wasn't the Marvel superhero that I knew the most about. Um, but actually, I got into She-Hulk as a character way back in 2012, actually, um, because I was reading the FF comic by Matt Fraction and Mike Allred, mm-hmm. which is really good, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, and she was introduced in that Um I mean, obviously, that wasn't her first appearance in comics. I'm just saying that was my right. first introduction to her. And then I further went on to read her run by um, my friend, actually. I don't know if you've heard of Charles Soule. I do. He's yeah. a friend of mine. 
uh, who actually I got to know through um, attending Heroes Con in North Carolina um, and started reading his run of She-Hulk that he did with Javier Polito um, and art by Kevin Wada. And that was when I decided to get into cosplay for the first time as well and actually cosplayed as She-Hulk. Nice, so. nice. I think we uh, we should probably share that then on the 602 Club Twitter. Yeah, I actually posted it on like, my Twitter. Um, you'll see I uh, am wearing a very nice suit, holding a briefcase, and wearing green body paint. <laughs> fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Well, I love that. And, and I know, um, too, you're a big you know, you've cosplayed as Catwoman and, and stuff like that. So it's just really neat to see. Yeah. So uh, you you really get into the characters you like in that way, which I think is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I you know, She-Hulk is not a character that I, I knew uh, in the sense of like I knew about her, that she existed and all that, but I hadn't read any of the comics or anything. So, you know, anything that they were going to give me was going to be you know, uh, through this show. And so, um, here, you know, we're definitely there. They got to give us the origin story, uh, which, uh, for them is that she's hanging out with her cousin Bruce and they get in a car wreck after a Sakaran spacecraft attacks them. Uh, and his blood leaks into her through a cut on her arm. And that turns her into She-Hulk. And so what? how did you feel about that? Did you feel like, um, you know, was that anywhere close to the comics at all of how this happens? Uh, and even if it wasn't, did it work for you? This is fairly close to how it happened in the comics. Um, in the comics, it was a, a blood transfusion that she had to get from Hulk. Um, so it, it's close enough that I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Um, you know, I think that it was a reasonable way for them to write it in the show. Um, although I don't know, I, I kind of felt like wouldn't the trauma of the impact have caused Bruce to hulk out? But then I guess if he's got the inhibitor on, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, so at first I was yeah. kind of surprised that it was her that saves him, but I'm fine with that. And I, I thought, you know, it made sense. Yeah, I mean, I think um, as an origin for, you know, an accident happening uh, and, you know, her being exposed uh, to his, you know, Hulk blood, uh, even though he's not Hulk at the time, he has the inhibitor mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fine. I think it works. And, you know, I don't really have any issues with it at all. Um, I I think it is interesting, too, because... You know, the show itself labels itself, you know, She-Hulk attorney at law. And and one of the things that I find most interesting about this origin story for her is that in many ways, um, I think that they struggle with that uh, to really connect her to her law side. Um, I never felt like any of what was happening for her as a lawyer was really all that interesting mm-hmm. or well-written. It, it it felt like they just didn't really know how to do a good lawyer show in the first place. Like, you know, I mean, and, and in all honesty, I mean, you know, we have so many 
lawyer shows, especially ones that have humor, I think specifically back to like, you know, the Ally McBeal days, um, you know, that kind of, and, and that almost felt like the kind of show that they were going for. Uh, and, and yet this show just never really seems to give us anything really substantial, uh, story-wise, um, which I, I just was it, it, in the sense of her being a lawyer and that really being super important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and in fact, you know, it just is, is really interesting to me because too, in this origin story, how often I see her just being used for being She-Hulk instead of who she is, which is obviously a big part of her story arc of like coming to grips with with who she is but yeah i was just actually kind of disappointed with that i was just hoping for you know a snappy lawyer show basically mm-hmm. uh you know like a boston legal type of thing uh with superheroes uh but that's really not what we get at all i'm glad you said that because i felt the same way a lot of the time you know it seems that the cases that she does deal with they're trying to overall build her up as, you know, she's Jennifer Walters. She's awesome at this. She's got career down and she's now got being She-Hulk down and she just needs to focus on how to grow from there, right? Well, no, because Mm -hmm. the cases that she gets given, it feels like she's just being dumped on and getting the really crappy cases that the firm just doesn't want to deal with, so they dump it on her. Right. The only times that I really felt like she's holding her own were when she's dealing with the magic case with um mm-hmm. no pun intended yep. <laughs> um but um you know with uh what is his name the great Donnie Blaze um because that was actually something that the character has stood for anyway that everyone regardless of Mm -hmm. whether you believe they're guilty or not deserves due process um and was interesting because it's a it actually is superhuman law they're talking about whether you know people that deal with real magic quote-unquote are above the law and you know like Mm -hmm. wong feels like he can just pull people out of prison and train with them because he wants to and that that's okay and you know the legalness of it doesn't matter that's an important conversation to have if you have superheroes um but that was the only interesting case she had in my opinion yeah that's a good point um i i like that a lot uh in when i mean when we're talking about this character as an and the origin that we give her and even what the show is called and yeah i think you're absolutely right you you really do kind of see her just again the law office is using her and of course she has to take the job because nobody else will hire her mm-hmm. but i mean again she's just being used because she's she hulk so yeah i mean even josh you know uh the guy she meets at the wedding you know, just kind of uses her because she's She-Hulk and, you know, uh, and, you know, obviously we'll get to it, but the only one who doesn't do that is is Daredevil. Um, but, I mean, you know, like I just feel like throughout the whole show we're, we're just really dealing with um, this character and her origin and I, I feel like we just are never able to really connect with, the, uh, I guess, the promise of the show 
with even just its name, which is She-Hulk Attorney at Law, mm-hmm. uh, we never really seem to, I feel like, get there really well. Right, that it's more about the difficulties that she's dealing with than it is her getting to be an attorney. And it sucks because that's not the She-Hulk that I loved from the comics. Um, and actually, fun fact, you mentioned Daredevil. I believe Charles Soule's run of She-Hulk was the first time that they introduced her facing off against Matt Murdock in court. And then they bring it mm, on nice. the show. Yeah. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, so it it is just an an interesting thing. So, um, you know, when when we do these type of shows and how you introduce a character and even what the the kind of surrounding setup for the show is. And so um, I do think, obviously, we've started to talk a lot about the character herself uh, and Tatiana Maslany playing her, you know, um, I think to me, if there's anything about the show that I think works really, really well is that it's Tatiana. Mm-hmm. I think she's excellently cast. I think she plays the character really well. I think she has the humor down superbly. Um, you know, she she's able to do everything that they're asking for her I think perfectly. Um, and you know, I, I think to me, I, her as the character has nothing to do with her. I, I actually just wish the show took itself slightly more, uh, just, just more seriously because I think as an actress, I think she deserves more and everything they're trying to get out in any way about any struggles she has or, you know, any, um, hills she's having to overcome relationally all the stuff that she goes through with you know just trying to find uh somebody who will accept her for who she is and not who she she hulk is you know i mean all of that i think those are really big questions that a lot of people go through in their life you know trying to figure out their identity basically and to be loved for who they are Mm -hmm. right you know to be known and loved and um I think it's frustrating to me is that the show, and this, we've talked about this many times with Marvel, where you don't take yourself seriously enough for me to take the story you're trying to tell seriously. Right. Which hurts the story in the end, because everything is just kind of a punchline. Yes, 1,000%. And that's why I even told my husband I felt like episode 7 where she is in the um, visiting Emile's, what you call it, rehab facility, is the best of the whole season because they're actually dealing with these issues. And it really is kind of an mm-hmm. is- an episode that's about mental health and personal acceptance and realizing you're not alone and, you know, that... Other people have been ghosted before, and it does suck. And it was just like, I'm sitting there as the audience going, yeah, exactly. No, I am with you. I have experienced all of those things. And, you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. along for the ride now. But it does feel like the rest of the show is all about the punchline and um, is kind of a disservice to 
Jennifer Walters as a character because they even say in episode seven, which is my favorite one, that she isn't um, allowing people enough time with Jen for them to realize that she's just as good as She-Hulk. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a I mean, it's an absolutely great point. And I, I think, too, it. One of the, the one of the interesting things about the show, and if I remember, if maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like in the comic she's always She Hulk. She's very rarely, if ever, at least from what I've seen, that's and, true and that she doesn't become Jennifer Walters all that mm-hmm. much, and so that that and and that you know the serum or the blood transfusion or the the blood contamination from the mm-hmm. hulk has has kind of altered her personality in some ways right it accentuated a lot of things that were a part of jennifer that you know or even more so are heightened because of that right mm-hmm. and and i feel like the show just doesn't quite know what to do with it all because she-Hulk doesn't really feel all that much different than Jennifer Walters. Again, she just kind of feels like a heightened version of the character. She's stronger, she's faster, and she's all those things, and, and she may be slightly more um, amorous with men than she is personally when she's just Jennifer. Or um, maybe just has more confidence because she's She-Hulk. Yeah, ex- yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So really, it's just as it's almost as if um, she's uninhibited as She-Hulk, whereas Jennifer, she's inhibited, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's it's reconciling those two uh, between between them, right? That she should be basically more like She-Hulk as Jennifer, because Jennifer deserves that too, right. you know. Uh, and but I just don't feel like the show does a great job of actually coming to that very well. Um, you mentioned that episode seven, which I, I heartily agree. I think is the best episode of the season as well, mainly because we take a moment to have her deal with the. We actually take time to deal with the things that are happening to her. Yeah. Right. She's had this big origin story happening where her whole life is turned upside down. Where she becomes a superhero, she's never wanted to be a superhero. Mm-hmm. Like, she isn't the kid who grew up. She wanted to be a lawyer. And so, you know, um, and the show just kind of throws so much stuff at us. We don't really get a chance to really deal, I think, with the main character. It's it's, it's something, uh, you know, John Mills and I were talking on Assembling Avengers about Falcon Winter Soldier. And one of the problems with that show is that there was just so many things being thrown at you. We don't really get to focus on what's important. And... This show sh- is supposed to be. Remember, she even says, "Who's this sh- show supposed to be about?" Right. Like, I feel like so many things are happening. We never really truly focus on who we're supposed to be focusing on, which is Jennifer Walters and She Hulk, and finding the equilibrium between those two. And this show needed to be. I think more serious if it actually wanted to try and accomplish that well. And I just don't feel like it actually does so that by the end they try to make that happen. But I think again, they, they take it so non-seriously that it just doesn't work because it's, it really is a joke more than it is 
an actual, hey, let's take this character and make her story actually important. Mm -hmm. And I think you hit the nail on the head that they are really in the beginning when we're supposed to be telling her origin story, kind of jumping past that and just, you know, straight into mm -hmm. the training montage. And you're right. They're not actually showing you the struggle to where she has to earn her reward of being um, great at being a, a Hulk. Um, and so I think that's why, too, a lot of the show, it feels like, to me, things are too easy for her as She-Hulk, and that it didn't really take a lot of time for her to learn everything and suddenly be perfect at it. And that feels unfair, because mm -hmm. yeah. Hulk literally says it took him 15 years <laughs> to get the hang of this new life of, that he's in, and mm -hmm. he was living it yeah. that whole time. And oh, suddenly yeah. she's just done you know learning and she's good to go now yeah and so i think that too is why then later they try to go back and fix it and give her some um earnest training i don't know how how i'm trying to say it but you know what i mean like to get her to earn it by saying in the dialogue that these are my stakes and i feel like that's the number one rule of film is that you don't want to have to say in the dialogue these are my stakes that make my story compelling you should just be able to show visually through the storytelling mm -hmm. yeah how you got there yep no i i 100 agree uh you know I, I think you rightly point out in everything you just said of just like yeah this show is is guilty of too much telling and not enough showing mm -hmm. Uh, and I think a big part of that really comes down to the fact that we just throw a lot of things in this show, a lot of different connections. You know what I mean? Like we, you talked earlier about like Wong and like we're, there's all these MCU connections and everything. And, it, you know, um, it just doesn't really do a great enough job, I think, of focusing on the character of jennifer walters and her newfound alter ego of she hulk and coming to grips with that relationship mm -hmm. and herself you know like this really should have been i think a very a much smaller story of a, of a woman coming to grips with like the best version of herself that finally gets to come out because she is uninhibited right you know and she learns um th that that's okay you know, to, to be that way that she doesn't have, she shouldn't be having to think every five seconds about what somebody's going to think of her and all those type of things, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I think, I think the rest of any of the cast, I think we'll probably talk about just, you know, in other pieces of, of the story, but, um, but one of the big things for She-Hulk is, in the comics, she breaks the fourth wall, uh, and she talks directly to the reader uh, as if she knows that you're reading the mm -hmm. comic. And so they do that here in the show. And, you know, in that sense, it is right in line with what you would see in the comics. But I wanted to ask you how you felt like that works here in the MCU, 
Yes, this is something I was familiar with from the comics as well. And so, you know, it's not super surprising that they do it here. I think the issue is anytime you break the fourth wall, it does have a certain tone associated with it. If you think back to Deadpool, for example, that really fits that movie's tone of being very tongue in cheek. Um, and here it feels mm -hmm. like they're trying to tell a serious story, but then still throw in this piece of production type and it doesn't always fit. It feels like they do it a little too much to me. And that sometimes it goes back to that same problem of telling instead of showing where she actually in one of her times breaking the fourth wall in the last episode addresses the audience and says, these are my stakes, you know, or when she looks at the audience and says, whose show is this? And it seems more like she's just jealous of Hulk and abomination because she talks about, you know, why are there all these other characters making cameos in my show? Um, and so I feel like also in addition to those things that it just can really take away from trying to build a serious story when you constantly have this thrown in for comedic value or whatever reason. I think that this works for the comics because, you know, Every comic uh, and every comic specific to a specific character has its own feel, mm -hmm. right? And it's easier to differentiate that, I think, than um, an overarching MCU. And even though the MCU films have all had their own flavors to them, they're all consistent in the sense that, you know, they're all in the same universe. And, you know, they're, they're not... I, I think breaking the fourth wall breaks the show yeah and i think it breaks the mcu because i can't take the mcu seriously at all anymore you know like part of the mcu used to be that it was this heightened reality you know when i think back to uh, you know the original film of iron man everything felt very real um and it, but it was a, a heightened version of our universe, you know, um, and it didn't feel so far off that I couldn't, I couldn't make sense of it. But this literally tells you that you're watching a show and the show knows you're watching a show. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that just breaks the MCU in a way that is very hard to repair because Again, I find it very difficult then to make any sense of, of anything that's happening or feel like there are really necessarily, to me, any real stakes anymore. Um, it's all just kind of feels like a big joke to me. And if anybody's listened to this show before, you know I have a huge problem with that. And that's one of the reasons I have not liked specifically the last two Thor movies very much. Ragnarok or Love and Thunder because it everything is such a joke that it just you know feels weightless and unimportant and this show by breaking the fourth wall it just kind of shatters the illusion that any of this is quote unquote real yes. even for the own universe that it's in you know um, mm -hmm. it just shatters that illusion um, and I I don't I don't 
in my universe watching, whether it's um, DC, Marvel, Star Wars, uh, you know, any of those things, um, I don't want my illusions shattered that way. Mm -hmm. Unless you're specifically doing something, and I think this is a good example, um, where you have like in Star Trek Lower Decks where you're specifically having a show that is meant to kind of poke fun at it but at the same time celebrate it and it's not in canon it's just it's there for people to have fun with like mm -hmm. I think this show would fit better in and of itself if it wasn't connected to the MCU because this would work then right right um I, I just, yeah, and that's a long-winded answer, but I, I really do feel like it, it, it really breaks the MCU in a way that makes it hard for me to feel any weight to anything at this point. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if you even, I, I relate it in my mind to what if we went back and did scenes where we broke the fourth wall in the first Iron Man movie, it wouldn't be the same story. It does not fit tony stark's style at least in the film version that they're trying to tell for him to break the fourth wall because it is such a serious story about how he becomes iron man in the first place and then deals with his relationship with pepper and with trying to be a good person and save the world you know if if he's then going around breaking the fourth wall it feels like they're um making fun of themselves instead of trying to focus on a serious character study. And I think that's exactly what you were kind of saying here before as well, before you made this point that this show could have been great if it was a character study focused on Jennifer Walter's personal development. And it would have connected then better with the rest of the MCU because it would focus on the seriousness of her growth instead of trying to be popular. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I don't know if I could have said it better. That, oh, thank you. That's really good. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, speaking of being used, um, so <laughs> Daredevil, uh, we're going to use Daredevil in this show, and uh, Charlie Cox is back as he was in uh, No Way Home, and which, you know, as a huge fan of his from the Marvel Daredevil show on Netflix, mm -hmm. I thought he was fantastic. I love that he's back uh, and hooking up with Jennifer uh, and helping things out a little bit or helping her out a little bit. Um, and apparently they're a couple now, at least by the end, so he's meeting the parents. So uh, how did you feel about, you know, Charlie Cox being back here as Daredevil and, and the way that they kind of use and utilize him in the show with, you know, her character. Well, in a fun sense, I have to say, I mean, she's living out my fantasy. Can we all just like date Daredevil? Cause that would be awesome. Um, <laughs> but um, I will say, I think that for the most part it works. I don't love that. They then try to make it into a relationship and he's meeting the parents and stuff that felt too forced to me. Um, but I think it makes sense that he would come into the show. And like I said, you know, that was something also that was in the comics where in Charles Soule's run, she 
um, Jennifer Walters has to face off against Matt Murdock in court um, as opposing sides for two different clients. Um, and I like that he, as an actor, is also then really bringing some more weight to the show because Charlie Cox is so measured in his responses, um, both verbally and physically. I just feel like he really kind of brought this focus in the scenes and then gave something for Tatiana to play off of as well that really brought a lot more to the show than it would have without him. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked him in the show. I thought he did a great job. You know, I, I thought it w was enjoyable to see the character of Matt Murdock uh, be able to have a little bit of fun I hate the new suit. I think it's ugly. <laughs> Ketchup um, and mustard. I just don't. Yeah, it just, it really, that's exactly what it looks like. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I'm with you too, you know, to have them jump into a relationship so quickly and like he's meeting the parents felt a little bit strange. But, you know, to have him in this show, I mean, he's the only other character in the MCU that's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I thought that was smart and fun. And then, you know, I think it was interesting to have him be there as somebody who has been a superhero for a lot longer than she has kind of help her see what it's like to actually do the hero gig. Yeah. You know, like they're um, back and forth during she, the scene taking down all the goons slash henchmen. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and you know, I there's 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 no baggage there, obviously, with her her cousin uh, on you know trying to to learn from him and everything, and so it makes it I think easier for her to hear these type of things from somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it, family is not always the easiest to learn something from because of the baggage you have. So I think you know all of that was good, and you know I just like having him back. It it it'll be great to have him have his own show as well. And I'm excited for that. I hope that we don't MCU him too much because I think, you know, everybody loved the the show. Oh yeah. Um, and I think part of the reason they love that Netflix show is because it felt like the comics come to life. Because I know Daredevil is a much kind of like darker and grittier comic series, mm -hmm. and I hope that they don't lose that edge. And as much as I enjoy having him here, I feel like, wow, they made him saccharine really fast. Um, and I am very worried that his own show is going to turn out to be much more like this than what we got in Netflix. And that would be, I think, disappointing. Uh, and so I think because you'd be losing something that, you know, I mean, at least, uh, you know, Moon Knight tried to be a little bit darker and stuff and, and, and to feel quote unquote, a little bit more like those grittier comics, whether it all works or not, that's a totally different story, but I'm, I was glad that they tried that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I hope that they'll let daredevil kind of have his own feel. Um, so, yeah. but in the end, I guess all we'll just see. Yeah. So, but it was great having him back here at least and you know i hope that like you said that he keeps that feel 
because mm-hmm. that is what make yeah. made it so great is that it was its own thing. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. Um, well, we we have a few different like villains in the show, but the main one that we get you mentioned earlier is Intelligentsia, which is at least as we're seeing it right now, very different than the comics um, because there are a bunch of, you know, people that helped lead this group. It was the greatest criminal minds on earth. Um, And at least what we've seen of this Intelligentsia, none of these people are very smart. Um, And so I, I don't know what what did you think of this, especially you know Phelps is one of Jennifer's previous dates, and he's basically a pathetic fanboy whiner uh, and an internet troll. Um, how how does that work for you uh, as this kind of main villain for the She Hulk series? It's such a bummer. Because especially, even though I didn't read the issues where they talk about, um, in the comics, Intelligentsia as an organization, it sounds so cool that it's like a brain trust, haha, intelligence, um, of these supervillains. Well done. Thank you. Um, I'm here for the puns. But, um... To not get that here. I mean, I as we got a shirt from my friend uh, for his uh, his birthday one year, I like all my puns to be intentional. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that what we get instead of that brain trust of supervillains, where it really makes sense to call it intelligentsia, um, it just kind of a sad excuse for a villain because what's the real threat here? You know, I understand obviously there are internet trolls out there and they suck. And there's definitely, you know, those people that hide behind a keyboard and harass people. Um, But that doesn't feel like a, or I mean, it's not a, a really, you know, like lifelike villain to have, she-hulk face you need something that's going to stand Mm -hmm. up to a superhero yeah and that kind of thing just shouldn't bother her and so i feel like there were just different things that they could have done instead and i think it's interesting the things that they decided to rewrite for the show instead of pulling from the comics where they should have in my opinion used material from the comics and then mm-hmm. vice versa, things that they included that they didn't need to. I think the biggest problem that I have is that, you know, by painting this whole group as basically being nothing but internet trolls, and then when you finally visit the Intelligentsia gathering, all of the people are being painted as these people who just sit on behind their keyboard and criticize their shows in different ways. And it almost felt like the writers being able to say, yeah, you're painting everyone that has criticisms of the, maybe even this show with the same brush as the trolls on the show. Mm-hmm. And, I think I was really frustrated with that because there are legitimate criticisms that can be levied against a show that don't have anything to do with you being a troll. Exactly. You know, 
to criticize character motivations or writing or, you know, any of those things, you know, it just, it, it all just takes constructive thought and to explain maybe why, like we do on this show all the time, why we either like something or don't like something, why we think it works or we don't think it works. I just, I was really bothered by that. And it, and yeah, I mean, it just, it, it felt like a very strange villain and it felt more like a villain that was put there for a, a kind of meta story reason that had nothing to actually do with the show more than it did with something that the show is trying to say. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I actually don't think it worked very well because it's preaching at you instead of actually trying to to work within the story you're trying to tell. And many times, if you start with a story where you're saying, I want to say this, you don't end up saying it very well because you're working too hard to get your point across rather than just allowing whatever you to believe to come out naturally in the writing. And I don't think, I think that's one of the main problems I have with the show overall is that um, nothing feels as organic or intricately woven as you'd want into this story. It all just feels like kind of in your face things um, where people like straight up monologue about a quote-unquote issue uh, instead of it just being naturally woven into the story. Um, and yeah, the the villain is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And then you have some other like side people like Titania or Abomination, which I don't even really get why they're in the like Abomination just comes off as a complete idiot. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't who he was in The Incredible Hulk. He was this driven soldier who wanted to be the best. You know, he, you know, his his whole goal was like this obsessive desire to to be the best soldier he could be and to never age and like all these you know crazy motivations, right? But and then I Titania, I just don't get what the purpose of her was for the show. I mean, she never really was a good physical foil for She-Hulk and she wasn't even like a foil for her mentally. Mm -mm. It's like, I I just, I I don't know. I, again, this show just, it it had a lot of things in it that just don't really seem to connect or really do anything of, of real value or purpose, which was very frustrating. Yeah. The thing with abomination is they built him up like they built up Magneto in the X-Men films to be, you know, this person that has to be in this specialized cell and you shouldn't let your guard down for even one second because he will manipulate you. And then she goes in and it's like, he's like a 
puppy, you know, I mean, he's just a changed man and just wants to go off and have his rehab center and be happy. And it's like, well, then what was all the buildup for? I mean, that's fine if that's who he is now, but then you should have changed the way that you wrote the lead up. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I agree with what you said about Titania. She's the most useless character in this show because she's supposed to come across like she's going to be a villain. And yet she's more of just a constant annoyance that I'm like, why are we spending so much time on this when she's not who they're trying to make the villain of the whole show? It's just wasting mm -hmm. time on something unnecessary. Yeah. And I kind of have to add too that I didn't think about as well from the perspective of people that I know that are actual lawyers have said that the court pieces of the show are like so basic first day of law school stuff like trademark law <laughs> that it's like yeah that's what we're going to focus on that jennifer's got this big case for i mean like i said mm. the most interesting case she had of the whole show was actually about the magic users and how ethical and legal that is otherwise it was all very basic you know, divorce court or um, financial damages or trademark law. It was right. very basic. Yeah, yeah. No, I I completely agree there. You mentioned that just a couple a, a couple other relationships that she has in the show. One with the Hulk uh, and one with her parents. And so uh, it was something that you had brought up in our outline. So I was really interested mm -hmm. wh what your thoughts on that were. Yeah, so it, the biggest one that stood out to me as well was just how they wrote the character of Jennifer's father on the show. It also feels like her parents on the show are kind of a sad echo of what they could have been. Because actually in the comics, her father was a sheriff. And they had an ongoing storyline where because her mother had been killed by mobsters and her father was a sheriff that all he wants for his daughter is to follow in his footsteps and have his values and go into law enforcement possibly. And that her becoming a lawyer and possibly defending criminals is blatantly going against his values. Whereas she views it as an homage to him. He mm -hmm. views it as completely the opposite and that it's this constant back and forth right. of her wanting to please him and have a relationship with him and feeling like she never can. Um, mm, nah. And in the show, it's like, what happened? <laughs> He's just this mousy human being who it, it, it's like they're trying to make him sort of the um, – full house dad kind of nice guy that's always there for her and he's willing to come over with the shovel after she gets attacked by some guys but it just never really feels like he does much is that interesting is really much of yeah. a father figure for her um it just is kind of boring and he could have been all of this yeah, no, that's a I think a great point, and 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 in all honesty, I think her her parents just kind of feel like doofuses, mm -hmm. doofy, you know, like if you will. They, they're just kind of <laughs> yeah, they're just kind of unimportant, you know, and, and they're just kind of naggy, classic naggy parents. 
which it, it, it's such a terrible trope and so boring, you know, uh, and it's, it's kind of sad because, again, you know, um, parents are obviously really important to who we are and who we turn out to be and all of those things. And just, just there's there's nothing... There's nothing about these parents, I think, that are, are interesting uh, as a story. And, you know, you, you mentioned how um, in, in the outline with her relationship with Bruce and the Hulk, you know, there's this sense of that being very antagonistic. Um, and in some ways, I, I feel like what the show does, which is a very like weird trope to do which is that to make our female hero look better or and you know uh we have to bring our male character down yep so we can elevate our female character and you know i think you can do the story of the fact that they're different without doing that yeah that they they've reacted differently to the, the you know being hulkified um and that their storylines are different um i think you could again you could do all of that without having to make it feel like that bruce banner and the hulk are a lesser than character which part of that has to do with the way the Hulk himself has been, I think, just completely uh, destroyed. Uh, you know, we, we've turned the character into a joke anyway, and so doing this doesn't is not really that far off from where we already are with the character. Uh, you know, we, we've stopped taking him seriously at all mm-hmm. after... Um, in all honesty, I, I feel like after the original Avengers where, you know, he was this kind of like terrifying creature that, you know, Black Widow had to go find, you know, and and she brings a a bunch of guys outside the hut in her own gun because she's terrified Mm -hmm. of him. Uh, You know, now he's just this lovable, cuddly teddy bear who just also, yeah, we we kind of make look less important, like more like a an idiot who had to spend so long to figure this out. Yeah, and she can do it in two seconds, and it just you know. And Bruce is supposed to be one of the smartest people in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just I really didn't like the way that they dealt with that at all. That's exactly how I felt. He is a character who, if anyone's familiar with his history both in comics as well as just the MCU and film, um, like you said, rivals Tony Stark with his intelligence. The two of them previously worked on AI together, and then they've reduced him to this and had him call himself Smart Hulk. It's a little frustrating, but because he's smart anyway as Bruce. But then, too, I think the thing that really upset me honestly was in the process of them having Jen learn from him about what her new life is going to be like they have them talk about controlling your anger and 
the two of them are talking and she says, I'm better at controlling my anger because I've had to do it infinitely more than you. And then giving her reasons why her reasons don't stack up anywhere near to the trauma that Bruce has experienced through all the rest of the MCU up until now. So it's not saying that what she's been through isn't terrible and isn't tough, but it's not to the level of war, of battling aliens, of seeing your friends die, of turning into this creature where he has said his experience was very different from hers, where he used to black out when he became Hulk and not remember what happened while he was Hulk and then wake up and be so confused. And she doesn't have that issue. So I completely disagree that she's had to control her anger infinitely more than him or that she does it better than him or that her trauma is worse than his. That's just not true. And so it, it that really flew all over me and I didn't appreciate it and I don't think it should have been written that way. I think that's really well said. I mean, I think the frustrating part is that, again, to trivialize anybody's experience or trauma is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruce's is different than hers. It, it's not a comparison game. Um, but I do think you make a great point where I, I'm thinking even just the trauma alone of what happened to Bruce in the first place that turned him into the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And being on the run for, I, I can't remember in The Incredible Hulk how many years he's on the run and how many places he has to go and how terrified he is at every moment that he might Hulk out and hurt people. Like, I, I don't, yeah, that that's some serious trauma and it's one of the reasons that I actually really enjoy the Incredible Hulk movie because we actually took very seriously the the effects that this had on this man mm-hmm. and how difficult it was and I I think to trivialize that at this point for that character again we're just doing a disservice to that character um, and uh, it shouldn't be about a, we don't have to put down one character so we can make another character better right. Because it doesn't help that character be better, right? Mm-hmm. It, it it helps if each character is both equally strong. And, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I, yeah. I thought that you just said it so well, and it is very frustrating when that happens in any way. Um, I do want to ask you just quickly, I don't think we'll talk a lot about this because I, I have a guess as to where you might land on it, but... How did you feel about the effects of this show? Mainly because half the show we're spending with She-Hulk and, you know, these massive animated characters. And how did you feel about that? How did did it work for you? Did it look good? What'd you think? It looked weird. I don't know if you felt the same way, but it comparing the effects here to what we see even in you know, the last Marvel movie, it feels like the movies were doing it so much better than what we get here. And I don't know why. Um, But She-Hulk in particular, just the movement looks strange, the way that the hair sits. Um, I don't know. It. I don't know why it just bothers me, but I didn't love it. What about you? 
I mean, it's not good. It's really, really bad. It's it's actually terrible CGI. And I think you mentioned a lot of the things that, that make it look wrong. But in the end, it she looks like a cartoon. Yeah. She doesn't look like a real character. And that's a really big problem. And, and I even think of, you know, that first episode where they're spending time on Bruce's uh, uh, retreat. And, you know, they're doing all these things together. And it all just looks like a cheesy video game Mm -hmm. instead of real and if you're going to do this character do it justice with actually putting in the work for the cgi to make her look photo real i mean it just just the whole show looked cheap yeah and that was disappointing um so yeah i it was not well done um speaking of abominations though (laughs) and not well done um i'm gonna yeah get it give it away the finale Mm. With K E V I N. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> the Kevin. So, I will say, of course, this is like we said in line with things that they've done in the comics with breaking the fourth wall, with having her actually in the past try to work with the writers of her own story and things like that. So it, it it's consistent. However, like you said, things from the comics don't always then fit on film or on tv and i think this is one of them and i get what they're trying to do it was kind of funny that they have her say she wants to speak to kevin like kevin Feige, and they build him up you know like the man behind the curtain of oh no one speaks to kevin and then you discover it's not actually even a person it's kevin the ai but the way that they then rewrite the ending or have her rewrite her own ending feels so lackluster and I didn't it's not that I thought that the ending they were going with initially with King Hulk was going to be better but at least resolve something it felt like they replaced Mm -hmm. a somewhat ending with an even more deconstructed ending to where I'm going so what was resolved? Right. I'm still yeah. confused. <laughs> it doesn't feel earned. No. Because she just decided sort of like a, she was in a bad dream to erase it and start over and didn't actually come up with a suitable conclusion for any of the loose ends. So I, I, I think... The the idea that she would go to to meet the writers and that basically this mimics a South Park episode where mm. the guys go to meet the writers of Family Guy and it turns out that the writers of Family Guy are manatees who pick out thought balls and that's how they create their jokes. Um, yeah, it feels like that. It, it was about. <laughs> It feels like that, um, and it's not good. It's not good because, like you said, and I think you nailed it, is it doesn't really resolve any of these issues in a way that f- it feels earned. Um, you know, I, nothing here feels like it matters or is important. You know, I mean, I, 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 are you, Bruce coming back with a son 
like which is part of the Planet Hulk series or the War Hulk series or something like that. I know from the comics. Um, but he never mentioned the sun before. I, which, you know, he was only gone for how long? Right. And he's already got a, I, a what the heck? <laughs> I it just like. Yeah. And then, you know, Daredevil is her boyfriend and they're having a family picnic. Right. And um, the villains, quote unquote, um, the bad guys got taken to jail for whatever they did that was so wrong. I, I mean, it just. None of this comes together because they just kind of, it really, making fun of the disjointed nature of your own show doesn't make it better. Right. It just points out that the writing wasn't good in the first place. So pointing that out and making it a joke, you're the joke, not the, sh I mean, the show is a joke. Mm-hmm. And they point it out to us, and nobody's laughing at it, I don't think, because it's not funny. It's yeah. just, I mean, you know, when she pops out of the Disney Plus app into the, you know, it just, come. And I, I'll add to even the way that that moment was done, it was actually confusing. I didn't get initially that that's what was happening. I thought that I hit a button on the remote with my butt. <laughs> yeah yeah which yeah i think most people are like what is going yeah. on uh you know i i think it just feels like so much of this show was trying for too many things and the finale is absolutely a part of that in the sense that this show just never really knows what it wants to be or what it wants to do or the story it wants to tell, mm -hmm. which is absolutely clear when you get to a finale to which it starts to build up to this thing and it just and then it destroys it all and then tries to put it all back together. But it doesn't really make sense as to why that's the case. I mean, again, you're just telling, not showing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it's it's very frustrating. So, I mean, it. it yeah. So, all that said, Christy, I, I don't know how much more we can say about She-Hulk, but we can give everybody our ratings for the show, which I cannot wait to hear what you're going to rate She-Hulk attorney at law. Uh, I think that maybe I initially um, would have rated it a little higher, but then, you know, the more that we've talked about all of the reasons that a lot of things just don't work. Um, I really end up on the lower side. Um, and there's just a couple of things that give it something to me that make it not a total loss. Um, but I end up with really in all fairness, one and a half stars on this out of five, because it's, it's at least got some good things in episode seven. And with the other MCU characters being brought in, like Wong and Daredevil and Hulk, but all of these other things that we mentioned that were purely issues with the writing, nothing with the cast, um, just the writing and the production value with the CGI um, could have been so much better, could have been prevented and needed a lot of work. 
Um, I really honestly believe, even though I am not a screenwriter, that I could have written this better. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, sorry, guys. I, I Or sorry, not sorry. I give it a one and a half stars out of five. <laughs> what about you? I, I'm, wow, because we're in the exact same place. <laughs> it's one and a half stars. And in all honesty, really, it's uh, Tatiana Maslany, I think, in her performance that really give it that. Uh, the rest of the show is is an abomination. Um, it's 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 not a good show. Um, it, in fact, it, it is one of the worst shows I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Coupled with the fact that I just finished not too long ago, Rings of Power, which is also one of the worst shows I've ever seen. So, it was a rough week when uh, those shows ended at the same time. And well, don't watch I Iron Fist watch then. Them both. <laughs> I've seen Iron <laughs> Fist. Uh, actually, season two, much better than season mm-hmm. one. I actually really enjoyed season two. Uh, that's a different story. Anyway, um, well, Christy, I'm excited to see what you might want to recommend to everybody this week that they might love. So I think it's suitable that I would recommend something dealing with comics, seeing as we're talking about comics. So I'm going to highly recommend that people check out two comics that I mentioned earlier in the show. FF, which stands for Future Foundations, um, which was the comic run in 2012 by Matt Fraction and Mike Allred. Really incredible. That's where I also got my cosplay inspiration to dress up as uh, Johnny's girlfriend, who dresses up in a thing suit. Um, Very yeah. nice. Uh, and then also, of course, the run of She-Hulk uh, issues 1 through 12 by Charles Soule and Javier um Polito because it's really fun the art by Kevin Wada on the cover as well is just a really unique style um and it was the whole reason that I got excited about She-Hulk back in the day and cosplayed as her as well so check out FF by Matt Fraction and She-Hulk by Charles Soule nice that's great mm-hmm. well uh, I'm excited to uh recommend to everybody this week uh as we're recording uh, the news has broken on all of the major uh, outlets uh, for entertainment news uh, that the WB is very much interested and in working on now, A Man of Steel 2. Uh, and so I'm very excited about that. And so I'm, I think it's the perfect time to recommend that everybody go back and watch Man of Steel as well as BVS, the Ultimate Edition uh, and get ready for Henry Cavill being back as Superman, hopefully sooner rather than later. I think this is great news. I'm really excited about it uh, and and just couldn't be more excited uh, about that because I love that character. And so, Christy, if anybody wants to catch up with you, though, and see where they can and see what else you've got going on when you're not here in the 602 Club, where can they find you? So, actually, I was going to ask you, what if this time... I do your part and you do my part. Oh, well, uh, you can find Christy on Twitter at Bespin Bell. Uh, and you definitely want to follow her there because she is going to f- post some pictures of her uh, in her cosplay, which you'll want to check out. Uh, you can also find her on a finished show she did with her friends called Sabers and Spells. Uh, and you can also find her on Instagram at Bespin Bell as well. Thank you. And, of course, Matt Rushing, you know, this is the hard part. <laughs> you can find him. 
I got the easy right? part. Yeah. <laughs> you can find him everywhere at Matt Rushing Zero Two. Uh, of course, on Letterboxd, Instagram, Twitter, and Vero. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he did, does so many shows, um, and uh, they have a lot of really fun names. For example, here on Track FM, he does the Artificial Tango, talking about Star Trek Picard. He does Saddle Up, talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, literary Treks, talking about the books and the comics of Star Trek. The Orb, talking about Deep Space Nine. And Warp 5, talking about Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> Sorry, I was so close. That's the one I should have gotten first. And then, of course, uh, he is also on the Nerd Party Network doing a finished show he did with Drea Kaufman called Owl Post, talking about Harry Potter one chapter at a time. And my favorite show probably in the whole world, doing Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills, which is a Star Wars podcast every week. Wow. That was awesome. I listened. That made me... So happy. That made me so happy. That's so much fun. Oh, goodness. Well, we do want to thank everybody so much for joining us. And y'all come back now you're here. (laughs) 